0: Listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. We are joined by a really cool guest today. Her name is Allie Boone, and she's the founder of Hipster Investments. Allie, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: You bet. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Allie, can you tell us your backstory, kind of what you did before, how you got interested in real estate and you know what you're doing today?
1: Sure. The super short of it is I grew up doing really nothing with real estate and I had no idea I was gonna get into it. Most of my schooling was in engineering. I got into the corporate world as an aerospace engineer. Obviously very different. Yeah. That's what my friends call me. In all fairness, my literal brains like. Didn't actually work on rockets. I was working on (laughs) air-breathing engines, but (laughs) yeah, it was actually, it was a cool journey. I actually, I did start in engines and, you know, obviously I, well, I didn't do much with rockets, but so I got a master's degree in it, but through that dreadful (laughs) degree, it was terrible. I was so bad at it. (laughs) I shifted out of kind of more the technical side into the cognitive engineering. So I ended up doing more like cockpit kind of design, like user layout, um, user experience kind of thing. I'm a pilot. So I had that kind of like know-how of like needing to work in an airplane. And I say that to say like it kind of um, like it's more understandable how I ended up in real estate because I'm a little bit less on the technical side of engineering.
0: You haven't even said anything about real estate yet, and already we know you're an engineer, <laughs> you're a rocket scientist, and you're a pilot. You're like I used to be a way more exciting impressive. person back
1: in the day. <laughs> I'm just not that cool anymore. <laughs> I'm like, and then there's real estate.
0: <laughs> and now we buy buildings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Progressively over the last like decade, my life has gotten more boring. Yeah, so I did all that, and where that came from was just that mindset that we all kind of grew up with: go to school, get good grades, get a secure job. Like, hello, it was the epitome of what we're supposed to do. Right. So I tell the story all the time. So I went through all the schooling. I'd been in school for like, I don't know, eight or nine years. i land the dream job. And the very first day I ever walked into the cubicle, I remember I can see it clear as day. I turned the corner into my new fancy cubicle and I looked at it and I was like, this isn't going to work. I like, I knew it before I sat down. I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> This, This isn't good. And I just knew it. So I ended up in that job for five years and I tried, I really tried to make it work. I even, I grew up in Georgia and I started working for that company in Georgia and I took a job transfer for this really cool, like even more dream job version and moved to California. And I tried it. I mean, I literally, I had the dream job, but I like to say that it was just not my dream. And so the whole five years that I was working in corporate, I was trying to find my way out. I had a bunch of skills, but nothing really, you know, directly able to get me out of the nine to five. And so in that kind of exploration, I was reading every book I could, you know, rich dad, poor dad, the e-myth, like I was like, "Ah, I need it. (laughs) And so I figured out like I was either going to have to start a business or get into real estate investing. Like that seems like the obvious, how you get out of nine to five. But I didn't really know how to do that. Long story short, I had decided to start a business. I didn't even know what kind, to be honest. But next thing I knew, a real estate investing opportunity webinar landed in my inbox. And I just watched it out of boredom. I was like, whatever. And
0: it
1: it was through Think Realty. This was so long ago. It was actually so here's, I was still really cool back then. Like It was a fun and adventurous life. And this opportunity was pre-construction beach bungalows in Nicaragua. The third world country, because obviously that should be my first investment. So it was. And I, you know, I watched this webinar thinking not, this is ridiculous, this is such a scam. But I ended up just kind of, I don't know, it kind of called to me. And I was like, tell me more. I love a good story. I'm like, invest in a third world country for my first investment, obviously. <laughs> and I love the beach, it's kind of a win-win. It's super affordable in a third world country. So I did that. And Needless to say, that investment went belly up. But what came from that was I really started to meet real estate investors. And so it was kind of the first time that I met people who were kind of more like me. They're some level of adventurous because you have to be a little bit of a risk taker. Plus, these people are in a third world country investing. Definitely adventurous, intelligent, fun people. And I was kind of just like, I found my people. And I wasn't thinking much of it. I was really just planning to invest on the side while I continued to figure out my way out of corporate. And opportunities presented themselves. The next thing I knew, um, turnkey rental properties. I had heard the term. I hadn't thought much about it. I was too excited about third world countries. And some people down on that project said, just a heads up, the next big market is Atlanta. And I was like, well, I'm from Atlanta. Tell me more. And so I almost accidentally, again, just thinking this was going to be a side thing, started buying turnkey rental properties because it kind of solved my challenge with real estate is I didn't want to be a flipper. I didn't want to swing hammers. I didn't want to do more work. I just wanted to invest. So when I learned about turnkeys, I was like, oh, problem solved. So Again, still thinking it was a side thing. Next thing I knew, I was telling everyone who would listen about them. They started buying them. I ended up getting a real estate license and then I started writing about it online. And that's when Bigger Pockets picked me up as a writer. So then I started writing there and it just kind of formed from there where it was just a very organic evolving into... I created a company out of it. So Hipster is... We're a matchmaker with turnkey providers, but also too, over the years, like I'm kind of an emotional support dog for people. So I help people (laughs) find good turnkeys. I help them through the buying process. I help all of that. So I ended up leaving corporate five years afterwards for real estate, having no idea that that's what was going to happen. But that's what I've been doing ever since, almost for a decade now. So here we are.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. I've got lots of questions along the way. So but
1: none of them have to do with third world countries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. I was actually I was I was looking at something. I was looking at investing in Belize the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was considering it until you told me your story. And now <laughs> it's bumped a few rungs down no. on the ladder of to-dos. No, but, keep
1: pursuing it. <laughs> is it pre-construction? That's where things can really go wrong.
0: I don't even remember what it was. Honestly, I remember like being on a run three years ago, like right when I was starting investing, and I was listening to, like every Bigger Pockets, and this wasn't yep. even Bigger Pockets. It was um, the Radio Guys, and they had yep. like an advertisement for buying in Belize, and I'm like, I didn't <laughs> even think about it. But my aunt and uncle go there every summer, and they were just saying yep. how like the entire local economy is devastated right now because of COVID, and everything runs off of sure. tourism. And I remember that ad and I was like, well, I bet now would be time to pick something up cheap there and it's going to come back. probably." You know? And that so. was a lot
1: of thing with Nicaragua is Nicaragua really is kind of like the next Costa Rica where Nicaragua, I ended up going down there about five times, I think, through this whole thing. It, to this day, it's my favorite country. It's so cheap and it's gorgeous. The people are nice. Like, oh my God, I fell in love with their world countries. Know.
0: Isn't that the one where the government took all of Johnny Depp's money in the movie Blow?
1: Is it? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was about to the, say the
1: one with all the government problems. Now, yeah, it's gotten a little rougher since yeah. I was down there. <laughs> I'm like, mm. I mean, it was rough. Calm down, and all the investors. Were, and you know, when I was down there, this was 2011, and the big thing that was happening is it was in the middle of the crash. So people who were retiring mm-hmm. their 401ks and all that suddenly didn't have the same amount of money in them. And so expats were moving down to Nicaragua like crazy because at that time, and maybe still now, if you made 20 grand a year, you could live like a rock star, like full time driver full-time made like and so people oh, wow. were moving there to get a better run out of their retirement funds which made sense and i mean the project in all fairness the project i invested in this was not some little mom and pop deal like Wyndham hotels was in on it. jack necklace was doing the golf course design like this was a big development and there were you know a lot of people with way more money socked into it than i me my little first investment and so, so it when it like did a, go belly up it was a big deal
0: It was like a syndication type of deal and you were just like... "Mm." No, it was owning.
1: And so one thing about Nicaragua, I don't know what Belize is, but Nicaragua, you can actually own freehold because as an international investor, like if you're investing in another country, you have to be careful because it might be like one of those 99-year leases, like how much ownership percentage can an international or foreigner actually own? And you can own 100% in Nicaragua. So that was a big part of it is like I was actually going to own this property deeded freehold, whatever the term is, which was, I mean, that was a lot of the appeal for a lot of people because you can't do that in a lot of countries.
0: Awesome, awesome. Let's see, what was, towards the end of your story, we started talking about, Turnkey rentals. So I have some questions and some comments on turnkey rentals, and you can definitely. A lot of people in. have
1: both of those.
0: You can put me in my place <laughs> if my comments are incorrect.
1: No, so, I'm like, oh, bring them on. Let's let's well, spell something.
0: B- before we get there, let's go to the <laughs> the first thing you said that you got me sidetracked with the Negro. <laughs> the first thing you said that that drew my attention was about you wanted to be a real estate investor. You didn't want to be a flipper. You didn't want to do this work. Yeah. And I love hear that because I don't either, and I've tricked myself yeah. into doing way more work than I wanted to. And yeah. I see so many other people so much worse at it than I am, where they'll like, they'll quit their job to go become a real estate agent and they're working twice as many hours oh, as gosh. being a real estate agent as they were at yeah. their day job. Or they're like, they're flipping houses and they're like, they're working twice as much yep. with like crummier work than yep. like the job they left. And it was like, well, you're not investing; (laughs) you're just traded one job for another.
1: uh, And for some people, it's great. Like if that's your, you know, if that's in your repertoire of interests and skills and everything, hundred percent. It's not in mine. And that, you know, I my thought about it was, I'm not opposed to doing that if I have to do that. Like if that's what it takes, okay. But I had reservations because, I mean, I could do it. I'm smart enough to figure it out. But it just isn't my. I don't like dealing with contractors. I'm so gullible. Like, they're like, oh, I I don't like meeting contractors. I don't want to show up. I didn't want another job. Like, I wanted to leave corporate to hang out on the beach and go play in Nicaragua. You know, I wasn't looking to whatever. I just assumed if I had to, fine. But in the midst of that, I was like, oh, hey, there's another (laughs) way.
0: (laughs) So, back to the turnkeys, a lot of my Wealth that was created in real estate was from like burring, like value yeah. add, where you you take something that's distressed and you know one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. whereas with with turnkey, and you know, my first two properties were essentially turnkey. They weren't like a turnkey yeah. provider, but they were like they were ready to go, and I put yeah. down fifteen thousand dollars and put a tenant in there. You know, Perfect. but i quickly I quickly ran out of money. Now, maybe, yeah. Maybe the rocket scientists and and other engineers that you hang out with have a lot more cash on hand than I did starting out. <laughs> but I just that's like one of the issues I see is a you're not like really supercharging your your net worth building. And as much as net worth is a superficial number, and we should focus more on cash flow, I can't help but pay attention to it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and then the other thing is how like. Does anybody run out of money? Like, how much are these oh, yeah. turnkeys spitting off? <laughs> <Because>
1: <laughs> like, oh, for
0: in, sure. in, in my mind, like, in my mind, like the average person starting out, what might have 50, 60 grand. Okay. That's, yeah. that's three, you know, $75,000 houses. Yep. If they're being managed, you know, in their turnkey, they're probably kicking off 100, 200. But, like, best case scenario that I just described, somebody's like $600 a month. It's not exactly financial yeah. freedom.
1: No depending on where, so, unless you live in Nicaragua.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's
1: what you do. You buy two turnkeys, you move to Central America. <laughs> Boom. Like, I think I just figured out my new message to the world. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you want financial freedom from turnkeys? Done depends on where you want to live after. No, it, what you bring up is completely fair because that is absolutely the number one problem or challenge we'll call it with turnkeys is scaling. So, you know, what I say in that is there's a couple different ways to look at it is the reality is if you are starting with 50 grand, yeah, you're going to get two turnkeys done. Like that's, that's about it. And at this today, you're going to be lucky to get $600 cash flow with those mm. two turnkeys. So, the thing with turnkey's is you really have to they're not for everybody. I do say that if you have the interest and skill in burrowing or rehabbing or whatever, 100% go do that cuz the returns are going to be higher depending on what you're considering returns if time or right. sanity or effort, you know, plays into that, but the thing with turnkey's is it's it's all about having a fair perception of what you can get by getting a turnkey. So there's different reasons why you might want to get a turnkey. If you're wanting to scale and fly off to financial freedom, mm, unless you have a lot of capital, that's going to be tough. Some of the reasons why you might want to get into turnkeys or why somebody might want to get into them. Number one, if you are thinking about burring or flipping or whatever, in my mind, it's so much I don't know if safer is the right word to start with a turnkey because the thing that turnkeys allow for is because all of the hard stuff is done for you, and if you've bird and rehabbed and all that, like rehabbing, negotiating, all those things are pretty advanced concepts. And so when a brand new yeah. investor goes diving off into the deep end to do those things, there's a lot that can go wrong. And one, one thing I like about turnkeys is because all the hard stuff is done for you, it allows you a chance because you're not 100% hands-off with turnkeys. You have got to learn to run the numbers. And most importantly, you have got to learn to do due diligence. Like you need to understand what things to verify and to check on this property and what sustains cash flow. So it's one thing to run the numbers, but if the numbers are just projected, like what are risks? Why would the numbers possibly not happen? And what are mitigations for that? So you learn all those things plus learning due diligence, That skill set will carry you through any real estate investing strategy you're ever going to do. And when people, I feel like, start flipping or rehabbing or the hard stuff right away, they're forced to skip over the fundamentals. So one reason why you might buy a turnkey is, you know, people think that if they start with turnkeys, they have to stay with turnkeys forever. Oh, not even chance. Like you can buy one, learn the basics, and then slowly kind of graduate into the harder things. Or some people start with turnkeys and through their learnings through those, they make different connections and that kind of leads them kind of naturally into doing things more on their own without the turnkey provider. So in one sense, one reason is that they're kind of a gateway into a more solid footing into turnkeys. So that's one way to look at it. Another way is, again, you know, if you have the capital, yeah, sure. And with that, some people aren't looking for financial freedom. They're just, you know, like I was originally, they're working a corporate job, they like their job, whatever, and they just want to do something smart with their money. So, it yeah. sometimes it's just more of a side investment. Like, instead of having my money sit in a bank and lose value, you know, sure. buy a property. And then... Awesome. And then after that, you know, there's partnering options. I I run a Turnkeys Facebook group, and one of the guys uh, on there who's been in there since the beginning, he wrote an article for us. He creatively financed 12 Turnkeys, and so he kind of broke down, like, what all different ways he did that. So kind of the moral of the story is, yeah, scaling is absolutely the number one thing because you're going to pay market value for these things. I mean, period. Right now, fortunately, the markets are appreciating so much (laughs) that you are getting equity, um, which is not usually the case. But yeah, it's all about understanding exactly what the offering is and comparing that and relating it to what it is you're actually trying to achieve. So they have their place is what I'll say.
0: Okay. Awesome. I agree hundred percent with everything you said. So I guess I, my perception was that your approach was turnkey all the way to the top. And that was where I was kind of like, well, how do you do that? But Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I started, that was kind of my, well, like I said, I was doing it on the side. And so I ended up leaving corporate for the business. So my income is partly from properties and then partly, you know, the business is also my kind of sure. Well, I was about to say side hustle. I, I would have said that 10 years ago. It's my full-time hustle. But yeah, different. again, different people. I assumed, unless I had stayed an engineer until retirement age, I wasn't going to get financial freedom just from turnkeys at all.
0: Sure. So I agree 100% with what you said about that's a great way to start. And going back to my story, uh, it's very much how I started. Now, there's a lot of multifamily gurus who will tell you that you never had to have even owned your own house and you can go buy a home in apartment complex. I mean, and maybe there's a couple success stories of that, but that's not how my comfort zone or my path worked. You know, like I said, I bought two turnkey. It wasn't from a turnkey provider, but it was yeah. houses that were ready to rent that I put a down payment on. And I learned a few things. Like one of them, I had to replace the floor. But like, that was like all I had to do was replace yeah. the floor in one room. And I like, I like, oh, so you pay about the same for labor that you do for the materials. Oh, it's about a dollar or three dollars of more. material. <laughs> and then like, oh, that's how much it costs to paint a bathroom. Mm-hmm. So like these little tiny projects and then going through the process of renting them, it just it allowed yeah. me to build the confidence up to take the next step to go yep. burrow a house, and then the next step yep. to go burrow a fourplex, and the next step to buy yep. a, a big apartment complex. Had I never done those turnkey properties, yep. I would have never bird or bought apartment complexes or any of that. I mean, or just, you
1: may have it, just may not have gone quite as gracefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, and I agree with you. Like, I don't think like when I have people reach out to me all the time that want to get started. And my first piece of advice is do it yesterday. Just, it doesn't even matter if you lose money on your first deal, just do it. Because mm-hmm. like the biggest hindrance of you being a successful real estate investor is yeah. never starting because like 99% of the world never starts. Yep. But if you start and you stub your toe and you keep going, like you'll eventually figure it out. Like, Yep. but I never really tell them to go like find a fixer up or burr, even though that's yeah. where I've built the most value. Like, I just, I'm like you, I feel like get your feet wet, buy a house that's like a yeah. pretty decent condition. You yeah. might end up having a sewer line you have to replace that blows all your profits for the first year. But like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's not going to make you go bankrupt. It's not going to make you rich. Yeah. But get your feet wet. Just get in the game.
1: Yeah, um, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned the multifamily people saying, start with a multifamily. And I think one of the biggest... Uh, there's a few challenges with the real estate investing industry in general, but one of them is just kind of the marketing messages that are out there. So it's like, oh, you're a brand new investor. You should definitely wholesale. Okay. Well, (laughs) I even got, (laughs) I got, so I'm like, (laughs) like maybe for some people, yeah, hundred percent. It's a simple process, but that it's not easy necessarily. So I think there's a lot of marketing messages. And it's one thing to have bad marketing messages. It's another thing to leave out details. And I think the thing that's left out of rehabbing and flipping and all that is how vast the risk spectrum really is. People just, you know, and now HGTV is not helping, but people get into those projects and it's not because you can't do it. It's because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what a particular risk is. So therefore you don't know that you need to mitigate it. And so that I think the slower start is, let's try and learn these lessons, not all at once, shall we? (laughs) Like, and it's a building process because like you said, this is an on the job training kind of industry. You have to make mistakes and learn from them. And that's how there's no investor under the sun, at least with more than a couple of properties that hasn't run into that. So yeah, it's just, it's that slower start, build your foundation before you go buck wild and blow your entire savings account.
0: Yeah, so three comments there. One the the shows I never watch the HDTV. Occasionally I'll like, either, s- Actually, I'll see one like on the the TV at the doctor's office or something. And one thing I noticed is like they'll have like a teacher and a cop. And you know, <laughs> I, I love teachers and, and cops. Like nothing against them, but like a, you know how much they make and they're like their budget is <laughs> one, like one point 4. 4, four million. million. <laughs> 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 wait, wait,
1: what? <laughs> like Really? Because, uh, hmm. oh, okay, maybe I was doing my math wrong on my own salary. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: the other things, I've never flipped or wholesaled a house mm-hmm. for a very different reason. And People always come up to me and ask me about wholesale. I'm like, well, I had like a very decent paying job that I enjoy. I just wanted to get into real estate for yeah other, like, I didn't want to like give up my high paying job for like what was likely a less paying, mm-hmm. nastier type of job. You know, yeah. with the wholesale and then the the house flipping, it's just like you said, it's just too risky for me. So yeah. I just see like market shifts. I still to this day, with all my experience, refuse to do like buy anything that wouldn't cash flow. Like the high end flips, yeah. I just like I see great opportunities come on. Oh man, I can make a hundred thousand dollars on that. But I like it's almost like I have it yep. written down in a card that I keep in my pocket. Like, <laughs> no, no, stay <laughs> in your lane. Like, because that's the story I tell everybody. Because, you know, outsiders often don't really... Understand the different types of real estate investing. They just hear real estate investing, go, "Oh man, that's risky." In two thousand eight, my uncle Bob lost all his money. (laughs) And and that, and I quickly like kind of go to the point of, well, you know, he probably had like five different flips he was working on that didn't Mm -hmm. cash flow, and he had like you know short term hard money loans on all of them that expired in a year, and then like the market dropped overnight, and he couldn't sell them for half of what he owed for them. So. Then I kind of go on to explain what I do with my rental portfolio the apartments and how everything I have cash flows. I always have adequate cash reserves and I always have long-term fixed debt, and how yeah. that really hinders, you know, all of the risk. So mm-hmm. I try, I try and follow that religiously and like avoid the shiny object syndrome of, oh, yeah. I could go make a hundred grand and then flip.
1: Yeah. It's it's so true. And I there's a meme online or something that I for some reason keeps showing up in like my Instagram or something, but it's a picture of it's in support of like baby steps. And it's a picture of two guys both trying to go up a ladder and one of the ladders has normally spaced I
0: wrong. saw that the other day.
1: Yeah. I don't know, like why are we all seeing this right now? But then the other guy's like trying to reach for the big spaced out one. And it's so true. Like real estate more than anything, I know and I get it. It's frustrating. It's like, ooh, shiny object, I could make a million dollars. Well. You know, it's those little baby (laughs) steps, keep adding them together that makes for the big thing. And, you know, like a high end flip, you know, it's all speculative, like high entry price, all these things. It's not that it can't work, but dear God, not for your first investment. like you've got to build your skill set. So by the time that thing shows up, you've got your bases covered because what's going to happen if it doesn't work out or a 2008 happens or whatever. Like there are so many ways to mitigate all these risks, but you just can't learn it right out of the gate. I don't care who gives you a how to guide on how to do it. It's just, that's not how it works.
0: No, absolutely. So real quick, I want to hop into a few different sections. The first one is tell us about your, your best deal ever.
1: Oh, well, all the properties I bought in Atlanta in 2011, kind of. I kind of I, you know, it's funny because people will come to me and they're like, hey, you know, what are the numbers on your turnkeys? I'm like,
0: <laughs>
1: "I, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. You know, when I bought those turnkeys in Atlanta, it was very well presumed that an appreciation boom was coming. Number one, we were in the crash. Number two, Atlanta had a very unique dynamic going where the rents during the crash never fell, but the housing values did. So suddenly this price to rent ratio situation was, I mean, my very first turnkey, golly, it's a cute house. I still have it. It was $55,000, freshly rehabbed, two stories, good neighborhood. I mean, hello. And the rent on it was 975. And I think today Mm. I'm getting... That one's either fourteen ninety five or fifteen ninety five in rent, and I paid fifty five thousand dollars for it. Yeah, I'll take and,
0: six of them right now. <laughs> uh,
1: oh, oh my god, I tell people all the time. I was just getting into real estate back then. Oh, if I knew then what I know now, if we got to go back to that time, which I doubt we will. Oh man, I would have bought up half that city. <laughs> like. But all of the properties I bought in 2011, 2012 have somewhere between double and quadrupled in value. And then again, the price to rent ratios are crazy. So, I mean, I hate to make a boring kind of blanket statement about my best investments, but Those are, I mean, that's something I'm probably never going to get a chance to get in my life again. And I have people, you know, sometimes they'll say, you know, I get frustrated sometimes I've had to hire and fire property managers. I'm 2,200 miles away from these properties and, you know, things can get frustrating as they can with any property. And so the question has come up, would you ever consider selling them? And I'm like, to do what with the money? There's no investment under the sun that would make me as much as these properties are. And like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm like no, I have a, like if I could cuddle with these things at night, I would. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I mean, God, all the all the Atlanta turnkeys during the crash, uh, unbeatable, unbeatable.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, what advice do you have for somebody else getting started in 2021 who is in a quite different market than 2011? Oh. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. The bonding demand's
1: about the same. (laughs) Everything (laughs) else is different. (laughs) Yeah. 2021, it is, I don't think you could have paid me to think that a global pandemic was going to cause what it has with the housing market. I assumed it was going to go quite the other direction. You know, anyone getting it started, regardless of what year it is, you know, one thing to know about 2021 is the difference between an investor mindset and a consumer mindset. In 2011, Everybody could buy properties because I mean, cash flow was cre- I mean, there was no special sale. It's like everything's on sale, everything's on clearance. It's great property, you know, like it doesn't take a creative investor mindset to buy in that kind of market. And ever since then, the market's only been going up. Now we're in a situation where inventory is super low, prices are high, cash flow is getting so squeezed, if not mm-hmm. more than so squeezed. And now interest rates are coming up. Thank you, Fanny. But it does force, you know, like investors from the 80s, they had 13 to 16% interest rates and people made it work. And so now what I think is happening is it is going to force people, it's forcing the consumers out. The consumers, it was so easy to buy an investment property at a 3% interest rate. No problem. But now that interest rates are starting to creep up, mind you, they're still at, pretty all-time lows, it's forcing a different mindset because it is kind of going to start weeding out the consumers. So as you get into real estate investing, understanding the difference in an investor and a consumer mindset. And then the second thing, and this is whatever year you're getting started, kind of like we were saying earlier, just take the step back for five seconds and learn more about the strategy that you're trying to pursue. Because I have people all the time that come to me and they're like, hey, do you think this is a good deal? And I'm like, do you think it's a good deal? And they're like, I mean, I think so. I'm like, oh, why? Blank face. And it, it's like, okay, cool. And I was totally that person before Nicaragua. I had looked at rental properties out here in California and I was looking at them. I just didn't know what I was supposed to be looking for. Like I, I hear the numbers. I don't know what those mean. It doesn't take a lot of information to be way more educated on what you're about to do than not what makes a successful version of a rental property if that's what you're going to do. If you're going to burr, what makes for a successful burr? Learn to run the numbers. What are the risks? What are those mitigations? It's not a hard, like, knowledge set to learn but learn it. So that way you don't ever have to ask. And if you have to ask someone else, if it's a good deal, you don't know enough. Like you should be able to determine if you think it's a good deal. So people are like, well, I'm not sure when, you know, I should pull the trigger. And I'm like, you should pull the trigger when you can intelligently tell me why you think this is a good deal. It doesn't mean it's going to work out perfect. There's no guarantees, but if you can intellig- say, oh, well, I like it for this reason, this reason, you know, I saw a risk here. Here's, you know, kind of my thoughts about that, dah, 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 da. It's that simple, but pause before you dive in. Like that is evergreen information applies to any year whatsoever. Just because I see so many people goof it up in real estate investing, and rightfully so, we didn't learn this in school. It's overwhelming. There's so many options. You don't know what you don't know. And, you know, people get jaded from a what's a really cool industry with a lot of potential. And I hate seeing people that. So it's like, slow down, pause, learn a little. Then make your and like you said, kind of you know move up the ladder a little bit.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I want to switch to our radio around real quick to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Three questions. First question is, what is your favorite book?
1: Am I allowed to say my own? I just put uh, my first book out. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh well, in that case, let's see. Do I even have a copy sent right here? So thank you, 2020 quarantine. Uh, I finally yeah. got my first book out. <laughs> It is called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing, Life Lessons on Hacking Your Mind Before You Hack Your Wallet. And it honestly, I I only say it's my favorite because it's mine, but it's a lot of what we talked about where it is taking that step back before the how-to guides of how to like look at this industry, how to learn more about what you don't know and how to kind of navigate like what strategy might be better for you. And I tried to add some personality into it because let's be honest, real estate investing books are not (laughs) always all that funny. Yeah. So that one, you know, aside from that, like for real estate investors, obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it got me my start as it did many other people. So, of course, I have to give a shout out to that one.
0: Awesome. Awesome. We hear that quite a bit. What's your favorite quote?
1: My favorite quote is, don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade shoes with. I use that quote every day in life. I use it in entrepreneurship, but my God, I use it in real estate investing because again, you Google how to be a real estate investor. There are a lot of people who are going to try and tell you how to do it, what you should do all that. Like the biggest thing for me, it's, and this is, it's such a life lesson too, is I look and see, you know, what, what's the thing I need advice on. And if that person is achieving that thing, like, I mean, I don't want to take relationship advice from someone who's like six times divorced. divorced. Yeah. It's <laughs>
0: like al- it's <laughs> always the it's always the newbies that are the most opinionated on subjects they oh. like have never
1: <laughs> honestly like bigger pockets since we mentioned that. I swear the most opinionated people on there have never done a deal in their life. And I'm like Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And like, don't take flipping advice from someone who's never gotten out from behind the computer screen. So I think it's especially applicable in this industry because we don't necessarily know how to navigate it or who to listen to.
0: Absolutely. What is your favorite thing to do outside of work?
1: While well, keeping with the adventuresome spirit, my absolute favorite thing to do is volunteer in prisons. I go into California state prisons. Uh, there was a year or two where I was going every Sunday, like a big road trip up to the prison. Absolutely love it. It it has my heart, and yeah, I love hanging out in prison, which would be <laughs> hilarious if someone tuned in right now. <laughs> They're like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sterling's podcast is taking a weird twist. <laughs>
1: Like, wow, she said she was adventurous, but goodness.
0: So how can our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, get your book, follow you, all that?
1: So I actually set up a link for your listeners to get a free copy of the book. It's a free digital copy. There is a link on there if you're like me and need to hold a book. I, I can't do digital copies. So my company's name is Hipster Investments. So if you go to hipsterinvestments.com rentroll, you can get a free digital copy of the book there. If you want to get it from Amazon, the link's there. But also my contact information is on there also. And the only thing I ask in return is I'm, I'm a new author. Leave a review if you check it out and share it with friends and family family, if you think it's helpful.
0: Awesome. we Will do. Ali, thank you so much for joining the show. I really enjoyed it. If I didn't have to run, I could spend another hour with you, but I uh, I really enjoyed That enjoy just means we'll have to we do run. it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's plan on it. We really look forward to keeping up with you on your journey.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestwordCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestword Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or Sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.